My name is Richard Morellis, and I want to welcome you to The Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspective of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. Hey, everybody. We're back. Welcome to The Prison Post. My name is Richard Morellis. This is my co-host, Jason Bryant. That's me. Good to be with you, brother. Likewise. Now, Jason has a master's degree from Cal State Dominguez Hills. He has a, a quote that uh, somehow I'd like to get in the show today. What was it about philosophy? Oh, philosophy. He loves my philosophy quote. So <laughs> philosophy is the study. It's So imagine a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't even there. <laughs> So, so I don't know how that relates to the show exactly, but <laughs> he likes but, it. I know my blog, but it's, right? it's certainly a cool way to get people thinking early on. <laughs> uh, the black cat may or may not exist. Uh, super excited to have D Marie here with us. Uh, welcome to the Prison Post, D. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're here via StreamYard. I'd like to give you a little introduction, as I do all of our guests, and share a little bit about share a little bit about your bio. I mean, certainly uh, a lot of accomplishments here and continue <laughs> things. It seems like you're a mover and shaker, like some of us on, at Crop Organization. And uh, that's right. It's, it's awesome. So, um, Dee Marie is an alum of La Sierra, uh, La Sierra University. She got her Bachelor's of Arts in Liberal Studies in 2004 and a Master's uh, of Arts in uh, Curriculum and Instruction in 2007. Curriculum. Jay's a curriculum writer over here. I know. I might need to consult with her later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She currently <laughs> works in the School of Education as an Administrative Assistant and advisor to students getting their teaching credentials and Master's degrees. Awesome. She also is a contract teacher for the university, teaching classes on how to survive college and the history of education. Outside of work, she wears many hats, keeping herself busy. So here's some of those hats. She's a singer. All right. All right. We might ask for a few bars later. Uh, and has traveled all over the country and world singing gospel music with several groups. She's currently the lead singer of a country rock group called Sweet mischief. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe some of the gospels don't like the uh, believers don't like some of the mischief there, but uh, <laughs> love that name. Sweet mischief. Deanne believes in giving back and service to the community. And so she volunteers her time singing and leading praise for churches and helps out with community events such as free health clinics, feeding the homeless and Bible studies. She's also on the board for a nonprofit organization called Black Girl Hockey Club, which promotes diversity and equality in the sport of hockey and just recently started an organization and is co-founder of locked in which centers on three pillars community education and action to make lasting change for those affected by injustice she also hosts the podcast called breaking bread where she literally breaks bread and i'm interested in talking about that in a minute i know you are <laughs> yeah you know, two big eaters here yeah, one man. big eater <laughs> Yeah, he kind of eats like a bird, honestly, but he can put it down if he needs to once in a while. But super excited to have you with us today, Deanne. Thank you. Where are you at in the state? I am in Southern California, so in Riverside. So you're in Riverside, and I I kind of knew that, but it was just a tee up for the next question. Black Black Girl Hockey Club in Riverside. Tell us a little about that. So um, it's founded from uh, Renee Hess. She's actually a good friend of mine and sings with me as well, too. And so she loves hockey and was finding that whenever she would go, there were not a lot of people that looked like her. And so made her feel uncomfortable. And so she started an organization because she wanted to see if other people were feeling that, which they were. And basically just trying to promote diversity, um, not only in just the sport of hockey, but also in the administration. So the hiring process and so forth like that. And what I love about it is that um, not only do we get to watch hockey and play and be able to um, have diversity uh, be a forefront, but we also um, do scholarships for um, girls who play hockey to be able to stay playing hockey. Um, And it's just amazing to hear their stories of how they're the only ones on the team. And like, this means so much because they can be able to continue doing what they love and, and uh, get connected with other black girls that are also in the scholarship program and stuff like that. So it's just a really awesome organization. Sounds super cool. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. does. So um, one of the things that we noticed in our emails with you, Marie, mm-hmm. is that you have a couple quotes 
yes. uh, that are at the signature block on mm-hmm. uh, your emails. And I'm going to read them and then we'd like to ask some questions about it. So one of them is the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Mm-hmm. And the other quote is the diamond cannot be polished without friction, nor man mm-hmm. perfected without trials. Mm-hmm. Where did you come up with these quotes or where did you hear them first? And, and what do they mean to you? Well, the first one is actually from a movie called Moulin Rouge. <laughs> All right. Great movie. Um, I, that's where I first I, heard it. And I was wondering yeah. if that, you know, that's great. Yeah. So, and I love the quote because it's very true. I mean, it's, it's about love and all of us are seeking and wanting to be loved. And that's really the most important thing. Um, once you have that, literally everything else can fall in place and it'll be fine, you know, but we, it's, it's all about loving and being loved in return. And so that's what I love about that quote. And then as far as the friction one, I can't remember where I got that from, but I love that because life is hard and there's a lot of trials and, uh, you can either be broken from those trial trials, or you can be polished from those trials. And it's just a reminder that, you know, a diamond, when it comes out of the earth, it looks terrible. It looks like a rock. It's dirty. It's dungy. Um, and you know, our lives, we may not feel like we're special. We're like that, that rock that's in the earth and it's just nothing special about it. But when actually you go through those trials and you, you live life, you start getting polished. And then you all of a sudden, by the time that you're done, you can be this beautiful, shiny diamond that everybody's paying millions of dollars for. And so it's all about using those trials in your life and seeing the value in yourself to be able to let that diamond shine. That's great. That's awesome. So like Jason in his backyard, we're doing a lot of landscaping, all dirty out there. That's a, that's hey. a, it's a diamond in the rough out there. It's not, it's not dirty anymore. I've been putting in work these last no, few No, no, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has put me to shame over here. Uh, hmm. I, but I, but I, I love that quote about um, loving the, to, to learn, uh, mm-hmm. just to love and be loved in return. Uh, we wrote a book called Men Built for Others. And in there, there's 11 transformational stories of, of men who have broken away from toxic masculinity and have mm-hmm. learned how to love, have learned how to live free internally and physically. All of them were once incarcerated with us. They're all free, probably had a thousand years in between us, in between all of them and uh, authors. And we'll be doing a series on them really soon here, a Men Built for Others series. And they're all free. And and the, uh, part of the inspiration from the for the book was from another author of a book called season of life. And it was based on the life of a former NFL player called Joe Ehrman. And um, he has some amazing YouTubes. He's won coach of the year in America a few times. And he teaches that true masculinity is the ability to, it's not about, you know, the ball field or the billfold or the bedroom. It's about how you live character and Mm -hmm. how you love and living Mm -hmm. for causes that are greater than yourself. And he also says that, uh, uh, when a man is healthy, he knows how to love and receive love at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of us know how to love, but to receive love, you get all weird about it because of whatever upbringing and things like that. But when you know how to just mm-hmm. sit there and accept and receive the, the love that others have for you with, with uh, gratitude, mm-hmm. uh, it's really a powerful thing. I would even go a step further. I mean, the way that our boys and men have been raised um, with that, kind of talk toxic masculinity in the way that you're supposed to be a man shove off, you know, emotion and all those types of things that even it's hard for a man to really know the true way to love um, and yeah. to be able to unlearn the way that they had learned what love is to be able to love the way that they should and be also be able to accepting love as well too. Sure. There's, there's that friction you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm, and the, mm-hmm. the choice that people can make to polish themselves and and mm-hmm. get clear on what it means to be not mm-hmm. just not just a man or a woman, but you know, a, yeah. a fully integrated human being. And uh, and know that it, know that it's okay to get help. You know uh, that you know to go get, um, you know, go see a psychologist or be able to talk about your feelings. That's so looked down upon in our society, especially for men. Yep. And to be able to still be very confident in your masculinity and know that you need to talk things through is okay. Right. Absolutely. So absolutely. That, that's go ahead, Jason. So, so one of the things that Richard just talked about is uh, honoring a purpose bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And as, as Rich said in the bio, you are the co-founder of Locked In. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit, a little bit about Locked In, uh, what, it, what it's about, how you founded it, and what you're up to with it? Okay, sure. Um, well, Locked In is basically an organization of people who are passionate about social justice and wanting to make lasting change um, with those that have been affected by injustice. And so um, we've basically put three pillars together, which are based off of communication, education, and action. And each of those pillars lead you towards the next one. So we want to be able to have good communication and um, kind of break stereotypes and all those different types of things. And then go into education to educate yourself. Um, so we have workshops and so forth like that. And then it goes into action. So now you can be able to make lasting change. Now you can be able to take steps to change laws to help people who have been unjustly um, uh, sentenced to really long sentences or, you know, those types of things. And to be able to, to actually take action, to be able to help people who have been um, seeing the, the injustice side of justice. Um, And so our purpose is to promote communal restoration and social justice through um, increasing knowledge and appreciation of diverse cultures. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what Locked In is about and how it got started um, was actually whenever I went to go visit um, Van and CTF, and we were sitting at the table. He was talking to me about, you know, this education program that he's wanting to develop and, and so forth. And we just started putting our heads together on um, a name. And uh, we came up with Locked In. And then kind of from there, it just started stemming into what it is today. Um and uh, he's basically the founder of it. He's the one, it's all of his ideas. And, um, you know, he, he's the big idea person. And yeah. then I am the co-founder that makes it all, okay, now this is the way we can do it and those types of things. So it's, it's really a good team effort because you need both to be able to make it happen. Absolutely. And so, um, so yeah, so locked in, um, that's how it uh, originated. And that's kind of what our purpose is, is to just be able to, again, really, really help people, um, not just the ones that are inside, but whenever they come outside, but also their families and just also bring awareness to our um, society. I mean, I'll be honest, I had preconceived ideas of what prisoners were and those types of things. Van was the first person I ever knew that was ever in prison. That's I've never had anybody in my life that was in that. So I was totally naive of what that was, what our social justice system really was um, like and how unjust it really is to certain communities. Um, And so it really opened my eyes by being involved with somebody on the inside and understanding that, you know, these are really, I was really naive, really bad preconceived notions of what people are like. And so it really helped me to be able to educate myself Mm -hmm. into what, what people are like. I mean, we're all the same. It's just one bad decision. Literally, I'm sure. one bad decision from being in prison. Sure. Does that make me a terrible person? No. Um, so it's just, it's different things like that. And it was just um, an eye opener for me. And I've appreciated the eye opening and I want to open up everybody else's eyes too. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And, and I actually want to ask after that, because there is a very interesting dynamic here. You know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of people who are fortunate, are blessed enough. Yes. Um, once they've, you know, committed a crime that they have people in society who continue to love them, to support them, to want to be mm-hmm. in the corner. But mm-hmm. it's a rare person who says, you know what? I want to pick up the torch myself. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to do this work alongside you of you know, cultural transformation, systems change. What was it inside of you that said, you know what? I want to be a torchbearer for this cause. You know, um, I would read uh, transcripts, parole hearing transcripts, um, and I could be able to see 
just some things that just didn't make sense. And just, again, dealing with Van on the inside and knowing the things and steps that he's doing and yet still is being denied. And it just is like, I know I am not the only one who's suffering through this um, and wanting to be able to see like, obviously, the justice system is is so massive, it's so big and it's so intimidating. You feel like you can't even make any type of dent to try and do anything to try and change. But, you know, the power of one voice, the power of one person, um, literally like, you know, whenever you throw a stone, one stone in a pond, it causes ripple effects. And I wanted to be somebody that caused a ripple effect that, you know, by God's grace, you know, who knows where that can lead to a tidal wave of change or, or whatnot. And within me, I mean, again, I've, I've served in communities, poor communities, and um, been on the front lines um, just helping kind of my Christian background. I've always been of service. And I just saw that this was another area of service that I'd never been really involved in that I felt like I should be involved in. Okay. So, okay, that's that's amazing. I, I want to ask another question. So your, 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 your second pillar is education. Yes. Would you be willing to get a little bit more specific? Like what type of education do you advance with um, locked in? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's three things in our education pillar. Um, when you go to our website, one is to be able to give books to inmates to better further better their education so that they can be able to um, have access to materials for those people who don't have the support system. Um, we also have um, you mean like an area self-help books and self-help books or it could be self-help. It could be actually them trying to um, take a class to like do something and get them the textbook for the class oh, that's awesome. that they're trying to take. So to help them with their education um, because I am, an educator at heart. And so education is so key. So um, that's really important to me is, you know, people who want to be educated and you shouldn't be ac denied access to that education just because you don't have the resources to, to purchase that. Um, and so a second thing is, is that we have um, also job opportunities on our website as well, because I know a lot of prisoners, whenever they get out, they say nobody wants to hire and those types of things. And so we wanted to give them access to materials to be able to see that there are jobs out there for people that want to hire. And then the last thing is workshops. So um, Roy Durant, um, I think you guys might know who he is. Yes, um, he's going to be coming home in about three weeks. And he is also a co-director um, of Locked In, and he's going to be the one that's in charge of our workshops. And um, one of the workshops that he's going to be um, working on um, and developing right now is um, cultural diversity within the workplace, as well as conflict resolution um, for middle school students as well. Um, and then we also have, um, Kazuhaga as well as, um, he's going to be somebody who's going to be, uh, doing, um, workshops on trauma, um, as well. And so it's, it's, and then I'll be in, those are the three that I just have right now, but we're going to constantly be building our workshop, uh, resume to be able to give that education, not only to people in the community, but also go in and go into the prison systems and be able to give that information to those that are on the inside as well, too. Well, while I was on the inside, I was in Soledad, um, where Van is for 18 mm -hmm. years and two months. I don't remember Van, Jason does. Um, <laughs> I worked yeah. with Van. I worked with Van in uh, the peer mentorship. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he definitely sounds like somebody who, um, you know, there's 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 a lot of miracles, a lot of blessings, a lot of movers and shakers. People that are driven came out of CTF Solidad. I mean, mm -hmm. you've talked to some of them on your podcast. Yes. And we'll get to that yes. In a amazing. Amazing yeah. people. Uh, yep. So uh, yeah, and and then the other thing was. You got a real star in Roy Duran. He's gone through mm -hmm. our, our workshops multiple mm -hmm. times. I've worked, Jason's worked with him. I've worked with him in, across the lines, whether it was in our programs. He's actually one of our, one of our trainers. He's mm -hmm. been trained in our transformational coaching work. Um, he's, this guy's done it all. He's an yeah. excellent speaker, a brilliant mind. He has a 
amazing mama who's out here waiting and supporting on him. I can't wait for him to get out. You got to get him on your podcast and please yeah, send him our sure. way as well. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, and uh, one day we, we, we might just steal him from you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, but, uh, no, no, no. Well, 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 he, um, collaboration yeah, is superior. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. I like that word. Thank well, you, Jason. That's a better word. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Roy, Roy, uh, I can't say enough good things about Roy. So happy for him. He's getting out. He yes, is one of the yes. most transformed people that I have ever met along, along with, um, James, James Willock and Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're going to be having them on, on your podcast as well. Yeah. And, for um, sure. earlier, earlier there was a quote and I know you're a Christian. You probably heard of John Wesley before, mm-hmm. but, uh, he once said, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all mm-hmm. the people you can, as long as ever you can. Yep. And um, it sounds it's like, quote. <laughs> it sounds like that that's definitely something you live by. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, my mind works in acronyms as well sometimes. And when I saw action and commu- communication education, I just switched them around. I said, ACE, you know, that's, a, yeah. that's that uh, acronym right there. Another, another yeah. ACE program, but. There you go. But every program should include action. You know, mm-hmm. um, even yes. even one of our transformational coaches tells us if there isn't action steps at the end of a coaching conversation or or a service conversation, then you just had a conversation and it, re- it wasn't real coaching. So we, it's mm-hmm. everything's got to be followed up with action. And we're just talking mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we should make a shift to the topic that Rich really wants to talk about. Which is your podcast where people get fed? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. Yes, they do. <laughs> Super unique idea. Yeah. So, would you tell us a little bit about breaking bread and how that idea came up, and and some of the content that you cover on your podcast? Yeah. So, um, Van wanted to do a podcast, and so he's like, "Just do it." And I was like, "Uh, let me." Uh, uh, you know, for me. I'm all about quality, again, education, and I'm about quality. And if I'm going to put my name on something, if I'm going to be the face of it, I want to make sure that it's not just a kind of ho-hum thing. I really want to make sure that it, it reaches the point. And so um, I just started thinking, and I was like, you know what? I really, I, I, I always, I, I call it a God moment. And so I think that, you know, God just struck me with inspiration, and I came up with Breaking Bread, and I was like, you know, that's where we can just meet at the, um, at the table because it's so awesome to be able to have conversation with people and be able to do it over food because you feel comfortable. And, um, it's basically just having a conversation. And so with that, the idea of breaking bread as the podcast came up and basically I ask the people who come on to my show, what their favorite meal is or what they want, whether I've cooked it or not. And I will learn how to cook it if I haven't. And basically I cook their dish that they want to have. And, um, we have a conversation and they tell me their story. Um, and, uh, we, we eat and enjoy a meal. And so that's kind of where breaking bread takes, takes place. And it's been great having the people that I've had, like Hugo Gonzalez has been on there. Um, I've had Johnny Howe, Graham Finocchio, um, some stellar people that are from CTF that came out that are doing amazing work. And just to really break again, stereotypes, those stereotypes that we as society, because you see those movies and you see these documentaries that go and talk about these crazy situations. And that's all you see is just this one type of viewpoint. And then you come in like me with preconceived kind of ideas of what a prison, a prisoner is and who they are. And it's so so far vastly different from that. Not to say that there aren't people that are like that, but, um, you know, all of us are redeemable. Um, and you know, we've, we all make mistakes. Some of us have been caught. Some of us haven't. Um, but we have all broken the law, every single one of that, every single one of us. And so it's about, again, love and choosing to love and be loved in return. And I choose to look at the better of you, um, and the, the reformed you and know that, you know, all of our pasts, um, you know, we use that to make differences in our lives, to choose a path and, um, these amazing people, um, amazing people like you guys as well, um, that have come from prison and have, use your past and just 
streamlined to do amazing work um, for not only those that are still inside and to change our justice system is not just for all um, and uh, do amazing work for the community as well. And it's, it's, it's an honor um, to be able to have the podcast, to be able to highlight those stories and break down stereotypes of what people have um, as preconceived ideas. And um, hopefully we can get our podcast to be shown in the prisons, because I would really love for the prisoners to be able to see people from CTF who've done the work, how, how amazing their life can be. And that, you know, the way that you are now is not the way that you will be always, you can make that difference and change and, and to kind of encourage and bring, um, highlight, you know, yeah. uh, amazing stories and amazing people. That's great. One of, one of our maxims is that feedback is the breakfast of champions. Mm. And I'm curious because you said, I mean, I know based on your, your bio and your resume that you can, cook, <laughs> that you can cook a curriculum, but what's the feedback been on the meals you've cooked? <laughs> Whether they're lying or not, uh, I mean, I don't know, but They've all said it's amazing. That's and awesome. I can I mean I can and I can even say I mean I have taste buds too. Yeah. But um <laughs> yeah, so some of the meal I mean all the meals have been good, but some of them have been like, wow, that was really good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So um so yeah. They, I want to they've all they've all liked it. I haven't had any feedback that was negative saying, yeah. Oh, I wish those were a little crispier or that that and that the other. They've all really enjoyed it, which awesome. makes which brings brings happiness to my heart. Cause that's whenever great. I cook, I like to make sure people like what they eat. Yeah. So, um, that, that brings me joy. What so. was, what was the, uh, what was the most challenging dish of your guests? Oh, good question. Probably so far would be, um, I would say tri-tip steak because I've never, I've never, I don't have a barbecue. So I had to, um, and it was a, you know, a thick piece of, of meat. That was and for Hugo, so, wasn't it? It was, and it was the best <laughs> dish too. It was so yeah. good. Um, yeah. But that was probably the most difficult. Um, I'm about to do uh, a stuffed chicken, which I've never done before. So that's going to be a, a different type of challenge for me. Um, but I like actually learning, like people telling me something that they want that I've never done. It's kind of exciting to try something I haven't done before and, and I'm glad that it succeeds. Absolutely. <laughs> so. well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a tee up for when I do make it down to the LA yes, area. Yes, please tell me. Yes. Fried calamari. Oh, okay. Definitely never done that. So, go. all right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Check. Got it. Uh, J J Jason's half Italian. And so, you know, that, that Italian food is going to definitely uh, pull on his heartstrings as well. And, so you, uh, you only want you only want calamari because since since uh, <laughs> Richard 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 said you eat like a bird, so you know is that all you want? Is well, calamari? It's, it's my favorite fried calamari okay. is my favorite. Okay. I also enjoy lamb riblets with mint jelly. Never done that either. With okay. Mint jelly. Oh, mint jelly. Ooh, okay. And a mint you really, jelly. You're gonna really you're gonna make me work. This guy. This you? guy. <laughs> You're Come on really now. Make well, D, you might want to share what your budget is over there, D. <laughs> Rack of yeah, lamb for lemon. I, I just see money falling out of my pocket. Yeah, you might want to chip in for that one, Jay. Um, D, I want to say that I think that the that the meal is a brilliant idea. I think that it's super generous, so loving. I mean, there's few things more intimate than a meal, especially yeah. with the, you know coming from a Hispanic and Italian background to sit with someone mm -hmm. to truly break bread. And I don't know yes. if you know, but that's that's some prison vernacular right there. The you know, in there okay, we talking about nice. let's break bread. You know, let's make nice. it let's, let's spread together. Let's eat, and it's always a time of fellowship. It's a time yes. you know some people when you cook for them, they feel loved, they feel welcome. Mm -hmm. they, and, and when I talk to Hugo, you know, Hugo's been on our show. Johnny's been on our show. Uh, we still got to get Graham over here. But uh, um, those guys, uh, I mean, Johnny, you could feed him anything. He's human garbage disposal. Love that guy. <laughs> Hugo, Hugo's like Jay. You know, he's got a, <laughs> not a very know. flattering depiction of Johnny. <laughs> no, Johnny's, Johnny's my brother. I can, you know, I get away with that. I'll, 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 you know, Johnny is. I can't say enough good things about Johnny, but what, what mm -hmm. better? He was in our book, Men Built for Others as well. Yeah, amazing uh, person. Just yeah, him awesome. his wife, Hugo. Mm -hmm. I used to cook yes. for Hugo a lot. I know he's a meat lover. 
Hugo has a brilliant mind. I watch your podcast with Hugo. I mean, it, mm-hmm. how, how easy was an interview with Hugo? You know, he, he's got stories. It's, it's, yeah, I, it's seamless. He, Hugo's yeah. a master storyteller. Yes. A master storyteller. Let me tell you something about Hugo. He just got chosen to travel the United States. Yes, I just heard. You know about I that? I just heard, yes. Yeah, on, a, yeah. on a PBS special oh, wow. in, a, in an RV. What is it? Mm-hmm. I forget the name of the show, but he's going to travel in an RV. And we've seen shows like that before with some other people. And they're going to be traveling around the United States, talking to key people. Yep. And, and they couldn't have picked a better person. But I to, agree. And also from a marketing standpoint, I mean, who's not going to come to that podcast? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just brilliant. I love that yeah. idea. So special. You're going to have a great Thank time you. when you interview with Jason and yeah. James Willock. Um, tr- tremendous people. Some of my greatest friends. And uh, anybody that they're ever uh, connected to, their lives are uh, definitely have more value because of who they are. Um, mm-hmm. These Absolutely. guys live it. It's not. Yes. It's no, there's no show there. They, they mm-hmm. purely live their transformation. There is no turning back. There is no. The thinking has truly transformed. Yeah. And um, yep. so super cool, uh, super yeah. cool concept. <laughs> Thank you. I will, I will say one of my biggest compliments was with Hugo. He brought his son to the podcast and um, he felt his son felt so comfortable at the house. He actually fell asleep on the oh. couch. And um, and then whenever we served the food, he had told Hugo on the way out, he's like, I didn't want to be greedy, but those potatoes were so good. <laughs> I wanted to get a second helping. And I was like, oh, I love hearing those types of things. But for him to feel so comfortable in a place he's never been and to feel comfortable enough to feel like he could sleep on the couch and stuff. I thought that was just awesome. So. That is. I've only seen one other podcast uh, that, that featured food. Maybe you've seen this show before. There's a guy on YouTube and I forget the name of the show right now, but he, he brings celebrities on and mm. they sit at like a table that looks like a, a, like a mini bar and across from each other. And on that table, they have 10 dishes of chicken wings. So there's, right? <laughs> and as each dish, each di- uh, plate of chicken wings gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Mm-hmm. So as they're having this, this conversation for an hour, they start off that for every five minutes, they're, they're hitting another chicken wing. And by the end of the show, like people, yeah, the end of the show yeah. is like the hottest there is uh, out there. You see guys like Shaquille O'Neal, just like, oh my God, you know, this is so hot. <laughs> Uh, so definitely food is a great idea. We're going to yeah. have to, we might have to incorporate that over here. Hey, <laughs> Something more than coffee. We've done coffee. Yeah. Coffee was a great idea, yeah, but we need to up our game a little bit. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm going to leave the cooking to you though, Rich. Get, get, re- get ready for your budget of lamb that you're going to have to be having for your guests. Oh yeah. This <laughs> guy. I know. We said it here. So, so D Marie, I want to turn the corner just a little bit and go back mm-hmm. to something we talked about earlier. So, you know, one of, um, another maxim of ours is that we're a people-centered organization and Mm -hmm. we've identified the fact that for many years, the criminal justice system has made a heavy investment in punishment over people Mm -hmm. and we're working to flip that around. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about your thoughts of retributive justice, keeping in mind, you know, some of the harm that's, that's caused by people who commit crimes. Uh, What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on retributive justice? Yeah, you know, our, our, our system is based off of already racist tendencies um, and, uh, you know, the haves and haves nots. Mm-hmm. And um, our, our justice system is, like I said, it's not just for all. Right. We've had um, lines drawn um, to be able to keep people in poor situations and others. We have laws that have been established that um, are, again, trying to keep a certain type of demographic, you know, kept under. And, um, and that's kind of what the whole purpose of social justice is for me is, um, is to be able to really change as best as I can. And hopefully with the laws that you guys do as well as what we do and and other organizations that move together is to get away from that harsh penalty and, and treating people as inhumane. You're basically a number. You don't have a name. You're a number, which already now separates you from being human. Um, 
and locking you away, throwing away the key and saying you're a criminal. And because you're a criminal, you're a criminal always, and you're a terrible person. And that's who you are. And as, as a Christian, and as just somebody who just knows better, I've made mistakes that doesn't define who I am. And that shouldn't have to define people who've made a mistake, no matter how big it is. And, um, you know, it's about being able to give second chances, to give education to people who haven't had those resources sure. um, uh, while, while growing up. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that graphic, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that is uh, shows a picture of a guy and um, two other people um, watching a ball game. And it talks about equality versus equity. And the guy is, it's a fence. And so he can see there's somebody who's medium size that still can't see and someone who's short, who can't see. So if we're, we're all about um, equality. We give them each a step stool. So now he's even taller. The person who is middle can now see, but the person who is short still can't see, but Hey, it's equal. It's equality, but it's still not equitable because some people have are a hundred meters behind the line in the race. And so with the resources that they've been given, and so how can we expect for them to be able to catch up to people who have had the privilege and had, um, you know, the resources and those types of things. And in our justice system, that's what we're asking is that no matter where you are, wherever your lines have been, whatever your education, no matter how much of a deficit you should be this way and you should and and everybody's given that level playing field but we're not all at a loving level playing field and so um it's really about getting equity um as well as equality but equity for um those that have been harmed through our, our justice system and um and being able to treat them as humane, as human, because we're all we all make mistakes, and to be able to have a chance to be able to be better. And again, you guys are are huge testaments to that. Um, and it shows that those you know who are given that chance are amazing people. You're amazing people and you, you bring so much value to the world around us that we, we, we would be at a deficit if we didn't have you and what you guys are doing as well as other people who are doing the work. And so to me, that's, that's kind of where I'm at as far as that stance. I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> you, you did. You did. Dimitri. I appreciate that. I, I want to go just a little bit further and, and ask you. So like when we're talking about like the victims of crime, Mm-hmm. This is a tough, this is a tough subject, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you said earlier that there was a point in your life when you had given yourself over to some of the stereotypes about incarcerated people. And I mean, you had the benefit of knowing someone who mm-hmm. didn't fit that stereotype and challenged your thinking. How do we cross that bridge with people who have been harmed mm-hmm. by criminal acts and people who are kind of in that level of unawareness Mm-hmm. They're just they're just aware of this stereotype about what incarcerated people are and, and mm-hmm. what's, what their potential is. How do you think we, we cross that bridge? It's really about communication. Um, if if and, and it has to be openness as well, too, on both sides, the party that's been hurt has to be open to wanting to to hear a story that may be maybe hard to hear Mm. because they've been affected by that, but they have to be willing to want to, to hear that story and be open to communication. Um, It's about being able to, um, you know, our media and uh, things that are out there, not just showing one side of the story. It's about being able to show the other stuff, which we're not that great at as far as on the media side, Mm -hmm. because whatever you see is what you start to believe in society because you keep on getting hammered with the same type of thing over and over and over again. You think, okay, well then that must be true because nobody's saying otherwise. And so it's about being able to bring the other side of the story to light and having communication to be able to show that other side of um, being able to cross that bridge to be able to bridge that gap of showing that, you know, we're all 
human and we are making amends for what we've done and we're we're trying to change the culture and so i think that that it comes from communication and an openness to having that communication as well as being able to be visual on our media side um, that means movies um, what's portrayed in social media or government pages or or whatnot it's just getting more of the other side of the story out that's great yeah I think about a quote from Dr. King that comes to mind. I wrote it down right here. He said, injustice everywhere, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. everywhere. But he went on to say, we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can appreciate um, the work that you're doing. There are a lot of common denominators with what you're doing, what we're doing, a lot of other organizations. Mm-hmm. And really, isn't it, isn't it one of the goals to get, to invite people to understand that this is affecting you indirectly. And if you just care, like you told your mm-hmm. story, you know, you communicated, talk about your, your acronym, you communicated with Van, you got some uh, new, new learning, education, <laughs> yeah. right? So you got some education there and then you took action. And, mm-hmm. and you, know, you got your website and, and, and the work that you all are doing, the podcast and and the beauty that's coming coming out of it, sharing the transformational stories to, you know, like like with our show, one of our one of our purposes is to transform the minds of, of in people in America and, and, and beyond. We got people in other parts of the world watching and and show them that their ideas about the incarcerated or formerly incarcerated are largely just made up. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they saw that one person, that revolving door person, but that's not everybody. Right. You know, right. it's, it's not the once a criminal, always a criminal. There are plenty of people that are coming out here and, um, you know, being uh, responsible citizens, loving mm-hmm. their families, working, starting careers. And if people like, like crop organization, that's one of our purposes, you know, and, and you have three pillars, we have four. So it's a lot of hey. common, common denominators <laughs> here. Yeah, that J- Jason's leading the way. He's the director of restorative programs for us. Those four pillars, you know, that leadership development, who else is giving free leadership development? You know, uh, as you know, out here and, you know, being in the education system. Um, yeah. You can take some courses that, that some paid courses on leadership, or you can go to like the Tony Robbins events and things like that and pay $5,000 for a week, but to get leadership development, why wouldn't you want our mm-hmm. incarcerated and, and formerly incarcerated people to have an opportunity to get that training? And then also, you know, the other, the other pillars of, of ours include that, that financial literacy, that digital literacy, that career development training, and, mm-hmm. and also include housing and, you know, just those wraparound services so that people uh, can succeed Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you're right in the media, you, you'll, you'll see that riot on TV, but, right. but you won't, you won't hear about the Jason Bryant's who got two master's degrees or, or, or the Graham Finocchio's who, right. who was an active white supremacist, uh, and turned feminist, and, yeah. And, yeah, turned feminist and now goes back into prison mm-hmm. still with all the tattoos and all yep. that and, and yep. com- teaches something completely Tra- uh, transformed in what he used to be and who he used to be, you know. Um, and you don't, and you don't hear the stories of the men who are currently inside that do fundraisers to yeah. raise money and event to help, you know, give a scholarship or something to the community for somebody else. You don't hear about those stories. Mm-hmm. You only hear about the riot or, you know, this, that, and the other. And again, if you constantly are only showing the negative, that's what's going to be portrayed for other people who aren't in it. Like I was before, um, that, that, that's the way they are. And it's, it's a terrible place and, and the people are terrible and, you know, you just don't want to even, it's not about me. I don't want to see it and don't want to deal with it. And it's so much more than that. And they just never show the positive and amazing work that these men on the inside and you guys on the outside that came out are doing. And it's really sad. We're, we're, we're sponsoring a couple of bills, AB uh, 328, AB 628. And um, they would like AB 628 would offer, um, incentives and money for companies who have uh, a diverse um, imp- uh, employment. Uh, 25% of their em- employees are mm-hmm. formerly incarcerated. They can apply for 
for these funds. So to get them into jobs that normally we mm-hmm. weren't accepted before. And, mm-hmm. and so that's some of the policy work that we're doing and we have more to come in the future. Have you started getting involved in, in policy or, 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 or changing laws? And if so, how so? Yeah, so we ter- we currently have two action segments that we're working on right now. One is called In Their Words. And so that's where we feature somebody on the inside that has been unjustly um, sentenced. So right now we're featuring Leonard Kemp, who was a youth that was given extreme sentencing for um, not even actually killing anybody. It was, um, and, he's a, and he's also a youth as well. I think it was at age 15, 16, that he was sentenced. And so we're working on trying to get him resentenced um, because uh, the district attorney was excessive and wasn't um, just basically excessive with the time and didn't want to work with um, with him, even though when he, he tried to plead to 20, 20 years um, for his crime, and he was like, no, you're going to get 32 to life. Um, and so it's an excessive sentence, and you can hear his story and be able to, to take action to try and help him get resentenced. And the other one that we have is signature campaigns, and that's where it's our laws um, that we're trying to change. And so right now, um, right now there's a, an a AB 1210, which is basically to get four more commissioners on the board that actually have a mental health background. The bill that we're trying to do goes further than that. Um, So statistics show um, that uh, one in five people that um, have in in prison have some sort of cognitive impairment. Um, Most of them, it's like a learning impairment. And so a parole hearing goes very, very fast, very, very fast. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're not able to necessarily kind of catch all those things. And then again, our our BPH, um, they only right now currently are only um, told to do 40 hours of training that's related in mental health. Mm. And yet you are responsible to conduct hearings of those who are, mentally dis, dis, um, disabled, who are um, sexually violent, um, all these different types of things. And so here you are, you, ha- you, lock, you lack proper training to determine an individual's mental c- capabilities. And yet here you are being able to do that with sure. only 40 hours of training. And so, um, and then uh, also what's currently happened as well too, is that our, um, the Department of Corrections has allotted like $160 million to implement uh, a substance abuse and disorder, mental disorder type of thing in the CD, CDCR institutions. And so CDCR is starting to understand that there's it's, mental health is a, is, a, is a serious thing and we need to start, you know, funding and, and get training for it. And yet here are people, our board of parole hearings who determine whether you can be able to get out or not, don't even have this training. And so um, what we're doing is trying to go deeper and basically state that um, all of the commissioners need to have some sort of background or education that's deeper, obviously, than 40 hours in mental health, because all of our commissioners, except for one, I believe, all have a background in law enforcement. And that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So so to me, that's very heavy handed. And so with the AD 1210, which is great to get at least four people on that have a mental background. But get what if I'm what if I'm the prisoner that goes against that goes to the board and the mental person isn't with me? I just got a shoddy end of the deal. That's not okay. So that's kind of the the law that in a nutshell that we're pushing. And so we have that as well on our website for people to get signed so that we can get some momentum to get that taken to um, get a vote for. It's very interesting. And, and, you know, it just, it speaks more, you know, not to be disparaging of the BPH, they have a job to do. Correct. But but the the fact of the matter Mm -hmm. is that like you shared, the the vast majority of them have a background in law enforcement Mm -hmm. and it speaks more to that narrative of punishment because if there is a culture, which most people know are aware that there is a a certain 
uh, antagonism, I guess, that there could be said between law enforcement and people who commit crimes and, and this mm-hmm. certain perspective within that culture. And mm-hmm. you're saying that these are the people who are going to determine yeah. if someone is ready to enter back into society. And they, and they have some of those old beliefs, um, you know, and you're really setting someone up for failure. I was just about to say, I was like, you know, these commissioners, they're coming from the era of th- get lock the key and throw it away. So they're coming from that era. So how much training have you gotten to try and you've gotten 20, 25 years of that type of era of your law enforcement. And now here you are to do a switch. You know, there's a, there's a lot of training that has to go into that. And I mean, it's again, like you said, the, the, I am not disparate. The BPH has a, a role to play, but we can be better. Sure. And that's, that's really where it comes down to. And there are measures, um, you know, on, they, they certainly have their responsibility. And then those of us who are incarcerated, you know, we have ours and, yes. and, and some of our, um, closest friends, um, I had a cell, uh, a Sally who a cellmate and he was a three striker in for 20, he had been in for 22 years, three striker. And I would encourage him, man, take these groups, get mm-hmm. involved uh, and get your education, go to college. And for at least, um, I knew him for 10 years and he didn't start until about seven years ago, but for the, for the first 18 years, he wouldn't do it because he would say, I'm a three striker. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I have a, uh, a possession, uh, uh, a less than, less than a nickel amount of of meth. That was a long time ago. I never got one write up in here, but Mm -hmm. they, he was not understanding the perspective of the commissioners. The commissioners are going to go back to every crime you ever did. And they think they're yep. a three, a three striker. You know, they, before it was three strikes, a habitual criminal law. If you're a three striker, you probably have a long history. They're not going to mm-hmm. just look at that last crime. They're going to mm-hmm. look at your whole history and they're going to call you, call you to give an account for everything in the past. And mm-hmm. when this, and even though my, my Sally had only had never had a write-up in 22 years and only had a, a, a missed, uh, a wobbler <laughs> possession, um, when he went to the board, they still gave him a denial because yeah. they started asking him about all those old, the old crimes. And he wasn't prepared to talk about it with, with a responsible mindset because he was taking it back and defensive and, and like, that's not why I'm here. You know, I'm here for this yeah. third strike and, and it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what they think. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, you know, he, he, he did go on to take groups and, and get his education and got multiple degrees and then he'll be out now in 90 days. He was found suitable with a second hearing. So um, I, I really like that idea of, of a law where uh, there's more inclusivity with, with, with board members who have mental health background. And Jason can talk about working in the substance abuse uh, treatment mm-hmm. in there and some of those that they hire. And, 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 you know, from my experience, and maybe he has a different perspective, some of the substance abuse treatment facilities that, that, that they hire from the outside to come in, they come in and then they, they, they rely on us to do all, all the work mm-hmm. while they sit down yeah. behind the desk. Yeah. And so it's- so there is, there is an, a very important distinction like between the importance of uh, personal responsibility and systemic responsibility. Right. So, mm-hmm. and we're kind of having the conversation on both ends. Yeah. It starts with the individual, right? Like mm-hmm. the individual has to make a choice that they want something different yes. for their lives, but the system or society mm-hmm. has a responsibility to provide those opportunities. Yes. And, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, Richard's old cellmate who maybe has some distorted idea of like why he's in prison or someone who just doesn't have any hope, like there's no light. Like That's that's literally what I was going to say. I was like, hope is a a huge thing. So, I mean, when Richard and I first went to prison, you know, the governor at the time said the only way you'll ever get out is in a pine box. In a pine box. Right. So. So that, that creates an atmosphere, which is yep. systemic responsibility like, of why, why, why am I going to do education? Why am I going to help? Why, I'm never going to get out. What's the point? There you right. go. So, so it's both. And, you know, the society, Absolutely. society Absolutely. has a responsibility for creating an atmosphere that is conducive to people's rehabilitation and their reintegration. And the individual has a responsibility to take advantage of those opportunities. Absolutely. Both and. Absolutely. And we would also encourage, even if you're never going to get out. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, but again, you have to come, I mean, if you already come from an oppressive environment, you know, a poor, a poor neighborhood, you may have not gotten the education X, Y, and Z. And even if you, you come in to prison and you have those opportunities, 
you know, I, I didn't, how do I know to even take um, those opportunities? You know, I'm so used to this kind of life already, because again, it comes with that equality, equity, um, all of that type of stuff. And so um, there is a, a portion of that too, but I completely agree that whether I get out or not, this is a better me right. because you know what? being locked behind bars isn't the only prison you have a prison of the mind right and there are so many people that are actually free out here but aren't free right they're actually locked in in a prison in their mind and so it's it's really about that education to unlock yourself um not only from the prison bars but also from that mindset that's awesome. Absolutely. I've said that many times. I had to get free on the inside before I could get free mm-hmm. on the uh, on the outside. And a lot of family members, you know, our audience is largely made up of family members and loved ones of the incarcerated. And what a lot of people don't know nowadays is this. I don't care if you got three or 400 years, you could still get out. First of all, if you're under the age of 25, you're going to get a board yeah. hearing after 24 yeah. years. Even if you weren't over the age of 25, if you have 25 years in and you're, I think it's 50 and 25. So if you have 25 years in and you're 50 years old or, or, or 60 years old, and even though it's, you know, 60 years old, it's a long time, but there's still an opportunity to be free. Yeah. And then we have friends like Chris Johnson, a friend of ours. I don't know if you've heard of him yet. He's a great friend mm-hmm. of Roy's and, and some of the other men that you've interviewed. He had hundreds of years for, for um, you know, bank robberies, um, not bank robberies, robberies. And, um, and he was a he was a banker. That's why I brought up bank. He was a banker before, was doing well, got hooked on drugs, and he had was sentenced to like something like three or four hundred years. And mm-hmm. and he did extraordinary work in there with Graham, with Roy, with us. Was a giver, and I think he. I don't know how many years did he do? Maybe fourteen, fourteen, fourteen years. And and he submitted an eleven seventy D, which used mm-hmm. to be something that was non-existent, non-existent. Jason is somebody who. We got an 1170D, um, and Chris was also one of them. And that's when you submit your paperwork to to the secretary of the uh, CDCR, you know, the, the top official, and and they read it and and they say, yeah, this guy's ready to get out. And, I, and they didn't it didn't matter that he had all them hundreds of years. Yeah. They signed it, and then it goes back to the judge. It's still at the judge's discretion. He could right. resentence to get out today, or he can take off 20 years, you know, or he can send him to the board. There's there's discretion there, and it, it'll it'll be, you know, based on the judge and based on the county and things like that. But, but still there's opportunity for hope and, and we got to get that to those family members. Yes. Um, Opportunity for hope, opportunity for transformation. Yes. Uh, All of it. Exactly. So yeah, I'm mindful of the time. I see we're getting close. (laughs) And and before we go, one of the things I would love to is to hear that beautiful singing voice of yours. Oh Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so, all right, let me, let me take one of these out. Hold on. All right. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Praise God. Bravo. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> we should have remembered that earlier, man. Beautiful. Yeah, I was trying to kick you under the uh, table. Uh, I, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. <laughs> I'm at a bad angle here. I got my backpack blocking, blocking me. That was amazing. That's so you, beautiful. Thank you oh so much. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, we might Thank you to- so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on your podcast and just continue the amazing, amazing work that you do. Um, you know, you know what it's like. And so you, having you guys as advocates out here to try and change this beast of a justice system yeah. to try and make it um, better is, is awesome. So. Amen. Thank you. How could people reach out to you? 
so they can contact uh, me if they go to contact at lockedin.info. They can email me. Um, they can also go to our website. Lockedin.info is our actual website. Um, be able to see all the pillars. Uh, they can go to our YouTube to watch the Breaking Bread um, and subscribe to those. So there's a, a lot of ways that they can be able to, to get involved and contact me as well, too. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And as far as the, the, the prison post goes or crop organization in the show notes here on YouTube or whether you're listening on, on Apple iTunes or Stitcher or Google, um, just look at the show notes. You'll, you'll see a link to our link tree there. It'll take you to all of our social media platforms and our website. Visit us, learn more about crop organization, the prison post podcast, and certainly uh, hit that red subscribe button or the follow. Check out D Marie's podcast, Breaking Bread. It is a profound, loving uh, a time of fellowship and um, really something that shouldn't be missed. Uh, we, we wish you all the best and thank you for coming on the, the prison post. Thanks. Dan thank Ray. you. Bye guys. <laughs> thank you for listening to the prison post, a production of the crop organization. We'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice. So please join us. You can listen to the prison post on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and like us on Facebook at The Prison Post and at Creating Restorative Opportunities and Programs.